Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Welcome to today's show. Super excited to get right into this and let you meet our guest today. That is Abigail Manning. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, you have a really diverse uh, background, so we want to get into that right away because, no, you do. You have one is you come from the background of being a survivor yourself, mm-hmm. and so you use your firsthand experiences with a touch of humor to illuminate the challenges of recognizing and understanding abuse, and by creating awareness, you help people come out of that silent darkness to a place where they can thrive. Now, when I say it's unique is that usually when people hear this, they don't think of the corporate world, but you also do work in the world of harassment. So I want right. to first thank you for joining us. That, that, that's really cool, diverse, how you've taken what, as you know, can be very difficult for some. People never are able to move past that. Uh, and we work with you know, survivors around the world who struggle with that. And you've been able to bring a light to this and help others. So thank you. Right. Well, thank thank you very much for having me here and for saying that. Um, and I did. I came from childhood abuse by both of my parents and domestic violence. And like you said, people get stuck. And I just, I was not going to be able to be stuck in all of that, as well as the PTSD that I felt. And I knew I had to understand it. I'm one of those people, I have to understand something in order to release it. So I took um, a double degree in communications about cognitive behavioral and social theories. I took life experiences from childhood. Um, and I, uh, along with the crisis center, spent $20,000 on therapy modalities because I was not going to be stuck in it, Mike. Right. And so came up with all these theories and ideas and themes, and I could see the commonality between bullying and sexual harassment and sexual assault and domestic violence. And I started making up my own theories, and people were like, well, tell me more. Tell me more. And so that's how this all started, um, is being able to go out. And like you said, I do corporate work, um, school work, nonprofit. Um, so the let's go there. How, what, how old were you when you had the discovery that I need to do something here? How old was I? When you um, well, had that discovery, because it happened yeah. as a child. Did you, as a child, right. well, recognize I'm going to do something? Yes. And as a child, um, I literally took a vow. I knew that the harm and the cruelty that I experienced was not normal. It was not okay. And I held fast to my theory that we must treat each other with love, respect, kindness, and integrity. And I remember standing in front of my little bedroom mirror, this little girl, making a vow in front of the mirror that it ends with me. Well, the abuse, the childhood abuse things did end. I never treated my children like that. But what I failed to recognize were the cycles and how it continued. And then it, it went on, the pendulum swung from that to into my marriage, wanting to marry someone very different than my father. And wild pendulum swings are never good. And so I found that out the hard way. And it wasn't until well after my divorce when I was dating someone that I was in a um, the domestic violence, even though we were dating and had separate homes. Um, we had been together for four and a half years. And um, one night he physically, violently, and repeatedly assaulted me. 
um, before throwing me headfirst into a wall uh, outside of his door. And that's when I say I landed in PTSD. And I was like, this has to end. It's going to kill me if I don't if I don't figure this out. And that's where the journey started in exploring all the different avenues from what you talk about to bullying. And they're all so related. And my hope is, excuse me, I've been battling a cold. Um, My hope is that I can help others. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because you bring up something that's often not discussed. And that is the pendulum. Like most people would think, oh, I had this in my life as a child. So I will never have that kind of a person in my life. I will not have that partner be like that. But that's not necessarily healthy to go to the other pendulum of somebody who maybe has no opinions. Uh, and then that might be what happened with you. But people describe I went from controlling to I was going to be in control. So that person sometimes finds a partner that has no opinions, that there's no uh, but right. that that can become very difficult and have a lot of challenges in and of itself. But then you swept right. and went, all right, that didn't work. And it took you back to the old pendulum. <laughs> Right. That's what you're describing, right? Without even recognizing it. All right. Now I got to go back to the other pendulum side. Well, the, the, a domestic violence person was truly a predator. Um, he has had done this before. He's had restraining orders on him before from other people. And I didn't know any of this. They're amazingly brilliant, brilliant Mm -hmm. people at being manipulators. Yeah. They're targeters. They are. They are. And I was easy prey. Um, well, and I, yeah. I want to address that because I said a moment yeah. ago, you went from one pendulum to the other pendulum. And I think some people listening can think, well, Mike, are you saying it's her fault that she, because she went to that side of the pendulum that that happened to her? No, 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 no. We're saying how you might not even recognize right. the pendulum of a relationship so that if you're someone doing that, like children do this in non-abusive situations. Uh, your parents did something when you were growing up that you didn't like. And you said, well, I'm going to give my kids more freedom. Right. Or I'm going to have more discipline (laughs) and you don't recognize that. Well, I'm going to go to the extreme opposite of that's probably not going to be healthy, too. And that's what you're describing in interpersonal relationships and intimate relationships. So I think it's I think people can listen who are survivors and absolutely relate to this and people who have never experienced this and relate to this because that pendulum is dangerous. It's very dangerous. But not. Uh, but I want to be clear, anybody listening, we're not blaming anyone who's on the pendulum for the harm somebody did in that pendulum. That's right. absolutely their fault. They're the ones at that end of the pendulum doing the harm. Right, exactly. And um, I call it um, authentic health, where with authentic health, what I've learned is that we have to recognize it. So you said recognizing it, right? That's my goal, is to, and your goal too. I mean, all of yeah. us that are working out here saying um, there's other ways and let's open some dialogue and conversations about this topic. So I try to help people. A lot of people say, well, that, that person was ignorant. I can't believe they did that. And I said, no, they're ill-informed. So if we can replace ill-informed with recognition, I can recognize it now a mile away. So just two nights ago, I sat for the first time only in an all-men's group, the first time they only had a female, and I spoke with a group of men who should have triggered the heck out of me to look and appear just like my dad, right? And I was able to do it, and we had such meaningful conversations, and it was remarkable. So you can get to the other side as long as you're willing to do the hard work. And you're right. No one deserves to be a victim ever, ever, ever. Um, and then when you realize that and you forgive yourself and that's why people hide in the shame and the blame, they don't want to come forward because they feel they're responsible. And I was guilty of that. And, but now that I'm brave enough and I'm building more and more courage every single time I speak. So thank you for helping me build courage. Um, you realize that you're not to blame and you can start recognizing it. And I'm actually helping people recognize it in themselves, either they're an abuser and how to stop that, 
or they have been abused um, and how to stop that and work forward towards positive. And so someone listening could be thinking, well, what are you doing working with abusers? That that's I mean, there's no way to fix them. So how do you respond to that when you hear those comments? Um, I understand that. And that's that pendulum swing again. It's easy to get very, very angry. It's harder to be very intelligent and compassionate and empathetic and say, okay, where did this start from? I don't think there's one baby that's born and it's like, aha, I'm here to make this world ugly and evil. That's not my philosophy on life. I think the majority of us are amazing, brilliant people who are trying really hard. We do have the extremes. We have the perpetrators. And then we have the people who want to be stuck in trauma and overt um, uh, toxic. Do you, do, you, do you think they want or they only know? They only know. Yeah, because right, because yeah. there's a difference here. Because people well, say, you know, you think of the. I'll give you the example that was in the news a few years ago. NFL player Ray Rice in an elevator. You see him knock out his partner. She's laying out in the unconscious of it, and he drags her out. And they end up becoming. They were fiance. They end up getting married, and people go, "How?" Could yeah. she marry the person who did this? But if the perpetrator has done that much damage to you, you mm-hmm. only know that reality. That's what people do not understand. They right. think, oh, well, she's staying it for the money. No, no, no. If, yeah. if that's no. what you've been taught love looks like, that yes, I can hurt you, but you must have done something to cause me to hurt you because uh, I love you. And if that's what you understand love to mean, you don't see what the rest of the world is seeing in that situation. Well, and they're really masterful manipulators. And so in in dating or a long-term committed relationship or a marriage or anything, there's a cycle. Um, And there's a honeymoon and they lure you in and they learn all about your weaknesses and they pretend to build you up during that time. And then they create a crisis where they knock you down physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, um, sexually, uh, any of the combination of those big five. Um, it's typically more than one. And then there's all this chaos. And just when you're ready to leave, then they come back with this beautiful, eloquent, I'm so sorry, and I'm going to make it better. And and you're the only one who understands me. And I've been through this too. And you're so and, and no one else will love you like I do. Yeah. Because right? yeah. that keeps yeah. you from leaving, right? That's yeah. the trap. No one's yeah. going to love and you like I do. It, so it's always positive or negative. It's that one or no one's going to believe you. Who's going to believe you? You know, I'm right. the one with a successful job. I'm the one with the title. I'm the one who's going to believe you. And, you know, or or if you go out, I'm going to um, a lot of times they threaten your life or they threaten what's worse, your children's life. Yeah. And that's one where people are like, well, then I'd be gone with my children. If you think this person's capable because of the violence you've seen already that they've mm-hmm. done to you. If you think they're capable of actually hurting your children, you would have to believe 110% for many people sitting there going, how do I know they're not going to find me wherever I go? Yeah. We've heard horror stories of people trying to get restraining orders, and that goes worse. I know people in the judicial system who says, I'd be careful whether I go for a restraining order or not go for a restraining order with a perpetrator because it all depends on the circumstances. It could get worse. It could become more dangerous. Exactly. It is. It is. The initial... Um, highest percentage of danger um, attacks and killings are immediately after filing those types of papers. Right. Um, so you have to be really, really careful. Um, you have to, it, it's definitely a very scary time. And um, like me, I wasn't telling anybody. I didn't want to go outside and tell anybody else this was happening to me. I felt so much like this was my fault. I should have known better. I should have seen this coming. How could I have gotten myself in this situation? I thought I was a smart person. Um, all of those things, instead of saying, 
that our conversations, this happens. This happens right. to people. This happens to good people. And this happens, Mike, in all demographics. As oh, you know. my gosh, yes. I've met people from high-end wealth that are yep. absolutely in these experiences. And I've met people from some of the most disadvantaged communities right. that are in this situation. So I think that's really important that you brought that up. It comes from all levels and in all homes, all family right. settings. Like you could have been raised in the most loving family ever. And one of your siblings is living in a home with a perpetrator and right. you are not aware. So whenever right. somebody says, we don't have this in our family, I always say that we know of right? yeah. because we, we don't yep. know what happens behind closed doors. No, we don't. We don't. And in fact, one just the other night, this gentleman was talking to me and I gave a list of healthy and unhealthy behaviors. And he was so authentic. He shared with me that he was the unhealthy ones. And he's been battling with this for nine years. He has this wife and he wants to make her, you know, deserve or not deserve. He wants to give the husband that she deserves. And that's loving it. And on the healthy side, right? And right. he gets... And so I keep saying, okay, so I said, no one asked me in all my years of of working on counselors and things, no one asked me directly, have you ever been abused in childhood? And he looked at me and he instantly answered, no, 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 no. And that's what we all do, right? No, 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 no. And then he started talking and then he said, well, I was bullied in grade school, but that, that has nothing to do with this. And I thought, okay. And there's that denial, right? That we all do. And so I said, okay, well then not your fault at all at all. But why were you bullied? Why were you picked out? That is the root of it. If you can find out that reason, were you insecure? And that's what goes back to that authentic health I mentioned. If you can figure out what those weaknesses are in yourself, you're insecure, um, your negative self-talk, you think you're stupid, you think you're ugly, any of those things, that's what they use later in life to pull on you and almost like a leash to lead you around the way you want. And so they tell you that if you think you're not smart, then they tell you how smart you are. You're so brilliant only. And you're like, wow, you're the only one who's ever said this to me. Yeah. And And it can come from both sides too. Earlier you said I was blaming myself. There's also the survivor who thinks how people are going to judge me. So, right, you have two sides of a reason I don't come forward. I might not tell anyone because I'm afraid of how I'm going to be judged. So I'm not blaming myself, but they're all going to blame me. They're right. all going to say I'm an idiot. They're, so it could come right. from both perspectives in that. And, and what I love about this is, you know, our show is all about mindfulness. All mm-hmm. of this is mindfulness. All right. of this is how am I being present to what right. is happening either to right. me or to others or that I'm doing to others. How am I present? How is this taking place emotionally, mentally? Where am I at right now? And being in the moment and understanding that versus excusing the moment. Instead of being present to what is actually happening. I totally agree with you, Mike. And that's a part of that authentic health that I talk about with people is it's being aware, being mindful, feeling it. You know, if I'm interacting with you and my jaw is tightening or my stomach is feeling that acidy feeling, be mindful of that and ask myself why. Your body is telling you clues and we tend to push them off and think, oh, I'm just being silly. And that's one of the things that they will do is they'll try to make you feel like you're kind of crazy and you're off balance. But if you're confident in who you are and you know your strengths and you're good with those and you know what you've been through or some areas where you would like to work on but you own it, then they can't manipulate you. Because to me, I have a definition of abuse um, that I made up. That is, one person uses manipulations to gain and maintain power and control over another person. It's always one-on-one when they start doing their work and it's those gaining and maintaining power and control. That's the ultimate goal. And if I own my own power and control, 
you can't take it from me and I'm not going to just freely give it to you. Right. Um, and I think that's all that one word that summarizes all that is your mindfulness. Yeah. Being mindful of how you feel and how is the interaction going and what are my weaknesses? And is that person kind of pushing on that bruise? What about the person who's hearing that uh, survivor who says, look, when this person assaulted me or raped me, uh, they did take away a piece of me. Uh, and so it's not just so easy to say, because I'm strong, I'm going to just, tomorrow I'm back to who I was. Uh, you know, and that's somebody will, will play the devil's advocate and go, that sounds like if I'm a strong enough person, even if you rape me, I can, I can move forward. Uh, and they're like, that's just not the reality of what you're going through at that moment for a lot of people. How do you answer that? Excellent question. So being strong isn't enough. So I've never called myself a victim. I don't call myself a survivor, to be honest. I think of myself as a well-adjusted thriver in this world who's doing good, who's had a lot of obstacles in my life, um, who's tried really hard to learn from them. And there's moments I can get knocked to the ground and, and it can sucker punch me. Um, it, it's, it's not something I think, unfortunately, you ever completely get over. But the difference when I said before, and I don't mean that people like purposely mean to be stuck um, in that side of, of overt uh, trauma, um, and abuse or anything like that is I see people scared to do the work and it is scary. It's really scary. But, um, with all those different therapy modalities, not one was the magic pill for me. I did EMDR. I did EFT. I did talk therapy. I did woo woo stuff. I did essential oils, you know, I did a ton of different things. And that's when people said, well, why are you breaking out of it? And I think one of the keys was I was a committed, like that little girl that took that vow. I also made a commitment to myself and a sacred oath that I was going to get over this. Um, and I then tried anything and everything I could. I started speaking up even though I was so scared and still get scared at times. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's how you overcome it. And you listen to other people who've done it. You watch for people who are standing in the light. And it encourages you to step out of the darkness. It encourages you to take a step forward. And that's all courage is, is taking one little step at a time. And that's how you get down the path to healing. And really, honestly, the more I do things like this, Mike, and the more I talk to people, um, I just talked in front of the Colorado Capitol and did a sexual harassment training forum. I get stronger and stronger and stronger, and I have more ownership of my power and control. And it's amazing. It's a really great feeling. And I want to encourage those who are scared, because it is scary, just to keep moving forward. And to listen to you and your podcast and find different therapy modalities and open your eyes and ears and say, if they did it, I can do it too. What I love, I love this because Renee Brown says, right, what stays in the dark takes us into the oh. dark, right? Versus, oh, yeah. and that's paraphrasing, but what we yeah, yeah. bring into the light cannot control me, right? right. And so if I say it out loud, it cannot control me. Others can try to use it against me, but I don't have to fear what people know because they know now. I have brought it right. out. All right, right. And I can address that. Uh, right. It's And not an abuse situation. Well, it can be a form. I always think of, uh, and I've referenced this one other time, I think of the case where someone said, hey, I took some nudes of myself for my partner. right? And now we broke up and I don't trust this person's not going to put these nudes out. And this celebrity said, I think you, you should just put them out. And here's why she said, because otherwise, if you're going to live in fear your whole life of what happens oh. if they get out, and you think they're going to get out, why don't you just get them out and get it over with? 
It was an interesting conversation and people were like, whoa, that's very controversial. But this person did this for themselves. So like I let them out because I want it over with and I wanted the freedom. I did not want to live in fear of this other person abusing me with these or using these against me. And, and she knew what people do. Well, you decided to take them. Yes, consensually. Now it's being used against me non-consensually. That's not right. my fault. That's that person's right. fault. Right. Uh, that it falls very much along these lines. What could I let out that would create freedom? It might be uncomfortable. It might be a week. It might be a month of having to deal with some questions, but it would give me 30 years of freedom. And that's right. That's <laughs> yeah. what you're describing there. And that's that ownership. Right. So I, when, when I work with people, I would, everybody has to do what's right for them. And what's right. right for one person is absolutely not the right person for someone else. That's why you have to try different therapies and you have to try things out. So I probably wouldn't myself be comfortable saying, okay, I'm going to post those. What I would say is I'm going to sit with myself and be okay no matter what happens. Right. So okay if that he can't take my power and control. I am not going to live in fear of him. Because you said it was a him and a her, right? In and, that case, it was. Okay. But yeah, in, that, in our work, we talk partners, right? We talk all people, yeah. correct? Okay, yeah. so I want to make sure that's really clear too, because yes. I absolutely have to work with oh men, and gosh, I hear yes. the other side all the time too. And it works, and it happens, men, men, women, women, right? It's not just right. heterosexual relationship; these are all kinds of relationships. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for uh, stating that. Um, and so, where what you own? So, if I don't own the fear, if I own the, you know what? I'm going to be okay no matter what. Because I'm good with myself and the people that are most important to me are good with me. They know the true me and I can't control other people. Just like when people, and I think one of the biggest things I found, Mike, were the people who were waiting for the person that got stuck over here. Those were the ones that were waiting for the other person to apologize. Mm -hmm. They're not going to apologize. So it's like living in that fear all the time. Is today the day? Is is tomorrow the day? Am I going to get a letter in the mail? Are they going to call? Are they going to show up at my house? If you can let go of that and do all of it inside and own and control it inside of you, it doesn't matter what they do because the sad fact is they're not going to come back. If they're truly narcissistic or a sociopath or a psychopath or a perpetrator or ped- predator, they're not going to apologize. And so you're going right. to spend your whole life waiting for something you're, you can't receive. So why not give it to yourself? Yeah, I love that, giving yourself that freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what this is about, freedom. Freedom. Right. Yes. Freedom. That is so important. And you talk about a term that I love to talk about, which is mutuality. Yes. And so how do you, how does that play into your life and the work you're doing? Wonderful. Well, so when I gave the, um, the sexual harassment workshop to the senators and the representatives up at the Hill two weeks ago, um, here in Colorado and not meaning the U S uh, I said consent is really hard for people. They don't understand what it means. So the step before that is, uh, according to sexual harassment, is quid pro quo is the one one requirement, and the other is hostile environment. No one knows what a hostile environment is, right? right. So then I talk about what is consent, and people go, um, I thought that was just for dating. And I say, well, no, not according to the law, but let's break it down. Let's break that word to mutual. And then you see the heads nodding. And then I say, let's break mutual down one more time, and let's call it um, reciprocal. Right. So is it reciprocal? If I put my hand on your leg and you don't put your hand back on mine, it's not reciprocal. It's not mute. That's not mutual, right? right? So if I walk into someone's office and I'm the assistant and the other person's the boss, I'm like, hi, sweetie, you want a back rub? And I'm coming up to my boss doing that. That's not really normal, right? That's not our normal socials, uh, social norms. And um, it's really easy. And I could see people going, oh, yeah. Now I can see the difference of what consent is. So in the workplace, that's how I explain it, is 
same as you, the mutual, right. um, and also reciprocal. All right. Very cool. Now, the reciprocal, do you ever get the smart alk who goes, well, then I'm good touching them as long, until I find out they don't touch me back. Right. So how uh, do you, how okay. do you balance, you know, that argument of, well, if it's reciprocal, then I'll try and let's see if they <laughs> reciprocate. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. You have smart alecks everywhere, right? Right. Um, and and, and yeah. I don't even mean smart alecks, somebody who just works in logic, right? People who work in logic will say, well, if, yes. it's, if it's about reciprocity, then I get to try and then let's see if they reciprocate. Well, and that's good. That's where going back to that power and control and owning it, your authentic right. health. If you're not comfortable with a hug. So, for example, a person who's been sexually violated and the perpetrator came up and they attacked him with by grabbing on around them. So that may trigger them. Right. right. So if you're in their fight, flight or freeze mode and they're freezing and the other person is hugging them, and they're like, well, she didn't say no or he didn't say no. You know, he didn't push me away. Well, they're in hardwired overdrive, fight, flight, or freeze. And so um, uh, for me, you have to uh, – I'm sorry. I got too many thoughts going in my head. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll jump in there because what, what, okay. what we often do at that point is talk about boundaries. So whether reciprocity or mutual, if I'm touching you, I'm responsible to know you want the touch. That's, that's a boundary issue. And so it's not your fault for not stopping me. I did the touching. I am the only one that can be responsible for that touching. If that touching wasn't wanted, that's my fault. I did the touching. You're brilliant. It's like, you know, I'm, we're on the same track here. A lot of the head cold that's making me kind of, (laughs) but, um, that's exactly where I was going and I call those HBL healthy boundary lines. So what I do is I coach people and I say, it's your responsibility to own it. If our social norms in the business society setting is that you can hug or high five or fist bump or something like that, but you don't want that, it's your responsibility then to extend your arm and establish what your boundary line is. And you can say it kindly and nicely. I talk about being direct all the time, looking people in the eye, establishing what's okay with you. So you extend your arm, which designates your personal space, right? Like this is my, this is my space that I will allow you in. And you can just say, I prefer a handshake. Nice to meet you, Mike. Right. Right? Yep, it can be absolutely. And then yeah, I always tell people that it's not mean to right. not accept somebody's forms of intimacy, whether sexual or not. That's not right. mean. That's empowering. And that's respectful. And you being you, that's wonderful. I love this conversation. Are there books that you find have been very helpful along the path for our listeners that they could turn to? <laughs> um, lots and lots of books, uh, lots of reading. The most helpful to me was sitting with people and talking to them about what works with them, what does not. Mark Lundy wrote a great book, um, Into the Mind of Control, Into the Mind of Controlling Men, or something like that. Jennifer um, wrote Women Who Love Too Much. Brene Brown, you mentioned, is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, her work on shame, explaining shame. I mean, I remember the first time I opened up her book and I read the word shame. I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this book. Right. And, you know, yeah, oh, she's absolutely like, brilliant. I agree. Yeah, she is brilliant. Yeah. And I'm going to open it up and I'm going to keep taking. And that's those baby steps if you need to. Read a paragraph at a time and then walk away from it. Sometimes those books are really hard. Um, one of the hardest books, and I can't remember the author because I read it so many years ago, but um, uh, Always Daddy's Little Girl, I believe it is. And that okay. was books that I could read a couple sentences at a time because it made me realize my normal was so not normal. Right. And by realizing that I can then grow and learn. And I think that's where we all get stuck is we think it's normal. 
And when I found out and realized it was really hard, I mean, it's a lot of hard work and it is so worth it because now I feel very confident in a business setting, a personal setting, a friendship setting to be able to draw those healthy boundary lines and say, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Or I prefer this. I like that better. I always like to try to be as positive about everything as I can. Um, I prefer this. And so I've heard you say to people before, ask, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, find out, that. right? Well, yeah. you've been great on the show. Where's if somebody wants to get a hold of you, they're listening right now. Where can they do that? Oh, fantastic! They can reach us at our website. Um, it's abigailgmanning.com, um, and they can call us at seven two zero two one nine three six three one. And we're gonna have all that in the show notes. So and for everybody you. listening, you can find it on the show notes. If you're driving, you're running, whatever you're doing, no, it'll <laughs> be back in those show notes. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us today. Fantastic. Thank you, Mike. And thank you for all the work you do. Oh, I I love it. Just like you. I love getting to do this work. So for everybody listening out there, I hope you make today and every day a little bit of mindfulness and hopefully a lot of fulfillment. We'll see you next time. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.